This is Andy Gutierrez from StarWars.com, and you are listening to Coffee with Kenobi with Dan Z. This is the podcast you're looking for. This is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Coffee with Kenobi. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Coffee with Kenobi. We are your spoiler-free place for Star Wars discussion, analysis, and rhetoric. I'm your host, Danzy, drinking One Nation coffee out of my solo ILM FX coffee mug uh, that I got back in 2018. And happy to spend today with you talking about the incredible part one of The Siege of Mandalore, Old Friends Not Forgotten. And we have an old friend who is not forgotten. In fact, you just heard from him last week. Joining me to discuss the first episode of The Siege of Mandalore is, of course, the one and only Mr. Tom Gross. Well, hello, everybody. And Dan, I have to say, as you're doing that introduction in my head, I was going, breathe in, breathe out. (laughs) Breathe in, (laughs) breathe out. I have been so excited to talk about this episode, as I am sure everyone is. (sighs) I know. It's and it's only four episodes left in season seven. This is the ninth episode. Uh, again, it's called "Old Friends Not Forgotten," and you know a little bit of background. We've we've known for years that Dave Filoni had this great story for the Siege of Mandalore. How much it was one hundred percent ready to go. I mean, probably I'm sure a lot of it has sort of evolved as far as specifics. But I have a feeling that the plot points and the and the character the story beats. We're already in place, and he just fleshed it out. And uh, we we're, we're going to give our grade, as we always do, in an overview of this. Uh, why don't you go ahead and go first? Tell me your letter grade and just overall what you thought about this. Oh man, I well, I have to say, I was I, I graded it before I finished watching it, and I and I was like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe well, I'm going to do it. Nah, maybe, well, anyway, here was my grade about halfway through a plus. Dan, this was the episode we've all been waiting for. This is The Clone Wars. The first eight episodes just totally took me by by surprise in a way that I didn't expect with deep dives on characters and issues and a lot of subtlety. Whereas this one was the episode that was in my face. All the other other episodes made me want to watch, watch, go back and watch like an event or a past episode of The Clone Wars, the first six seasons. But this one made me want to watch the entire thing all over again. This one made me want to watch the three prequel movies to immerse myself so that I could completely 100% appreciate every little morsel that Episode 9 and I'm sure 10, 11, and 12 will throw at us. A+. plus. Well, <laughs> yes, uh, agreed on every <laughs> single point. I mean, I'm going to take it a step further. Sure. Uh, of course, it's an A+. Plus. I, and I said this online, and for those of you who may have missed it, to me, this is the best episode of Clone Wars I've ever seen. Every single episode, all the seasons. you know, And, I, and who knows? Hopefully, I'll change my mind because the next three after this will be even stronger. But this was the best. I mean, it was the absolute best. Emotionally, the ride it took us on, 
the incredible highs, the drama, the tension, the filling in. Um, if if Star Wars is paint by numbers, we got a bunch of big numbers painted in through this episode. Old friends, I forgot. <laughs> Just absolutely well stunning. And and Dan Brooks said this on Twitter. Of course, he's the senior editor of StarWars.com. He said, yes, it's his uh, favorite or a top one, too. But the reason it is is because of the stories that came before it yes. that built to this point. And that is absolutely true. But it, it just it's great. And if you're a fan of Revenge of the Sith, I think you like it even more as well. So right away, the opening credits, I actually gasped because it wasn't traditional. It gave us that classic yes. Lucasfilm LTD sign like we got before the special editions. Um, and now, of course, when, the Luke, when a, a new Star Wars film starts, you get the new Lucasfilm logo, which we've become so used to that mm-hmm. it's just commonplace. But then seeing that classic throwback, the red font, John Williams music, not the classic yes. Star Wars uh, that we've, we've grown accustomed to because of Kevin Kiner. Just so many punches right in the gut of raw emotion, wasn't it? Oh my gosh! It I, I I had the exact same reaction, the gasp, and the funny thing is I don't know what when when you get to watch it, um, but when I I watch so to to sort of set up the scene, I I work out in the morning about six o'clock in the morning, and my 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 house sleeps until about at least at least eight o'clock basically, and uh, and so it was about seven o'clock. I I snuck into the living room and turned on the Xbox and fired up Disney Plus and I started watching it. And oh my gosh, I like I found it very difficult for me to control myself to to be quiet while I watched this. And when that came, I, was there was there an episode of Rebels that did a different intro, like a really significant? I, I'm trying to remember because when that green came up, I I mean it took me it took me by surprise, and then the red Clone Wars. And then the John Williams music. I mean, it was just layer upon layer upon layer of like all of this emotion. Like you knew that this was going to be something special by all of that. And I had the same response that you did. It was just a gasp. And the, the instantly the hair on my arms stood at attention. And I mean, I was the suture was made. I was a part of the Clone Wars right there. <laughs> yep. No, I totally agree. It was I totally beautiful. agree. It's it was absolutely beautiful, and yeah, there were there were some episodes of Rebels that that started differently. None with that Lucasfilm logo. No, uh, sometimes I would have different uh, font coloring. Uh, for instance, Twin Sons started out differently. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. That's um, but yeah, this this one it, it took it up to another level. And I think the big thing is the fact there's consistent John Williams music. So um, the, well, the how about how about that way, summary? No, that's what I was just going to say. The summary, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I've completely got the timeline down because look at where Ayla Secura is and and Plo Koon is. You know, this this is where they're at in Revenge of the Sith when Order 66 happens. So these are running, you know, simultaneously, concurrently, right at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. We know it's at the beginning because what happens, you know, about 10 minutes into it. But just the fact that they would go there, Tom, if you remember before this season started, I had said what I want out of this series, the finale is that when it's over revenge of the Sith starts and it looks like I'm going to get that. Yeah. I, Oh, I definitely believe so. And you know, it took me at the second viewing to really let the summary of the war 
um, sink in because I, you know, that puts us in a, in a, in a, a general timeline. But then when we see later on a very specific event that, okay, we are exactly here. It made me realize that so because in the summary it says there the 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 clones or the jedi are spread thin and he go they go through all those locations where all of them are and you realize this has all been a setup all these key jedi have been spread across the galaxy and now we know where this is happening when this is happening and you real oh it just it just sort of the weight of it sort of hit me and i was like and the, again this was in the second viewing of it because uh, because you know that well, I, I already said all, all the timeline there, but it's just I don't know. It had more weight to it. I feel. No, it did. Uh, because just it, the cost has escalated exponentially because you've got mm-hmm. Jedi spread out, and you know what it's leading to. So it creates yeah. that dramatic tension for us as an audience. Indeed. That that wonderful dramatic irony, and you know, there's there's this battle sequence like we've seen so often in the Clone Wars. And it looks like Commander Cody, of all the clones, is is about to be taken out by an explosion. And then in this incredible sweeping oh. motion, Obi-Wan Kenobi blocks an explosion, which I don't know we've ever seen before. Looks back oh, coolly. Just... The lighting, the way his hair was just kind of flowing. And he looks mature and kind of kind of wizened through through time and through these battles. I mean, did that take your breath away or what? Oh, it was fantastic. I wrote on my notes here, fist pump moment. I totally yeah. like left out of my seat in a, in a way and just pump my fist like, yes, Obi-Wan Kenobi there to save the day. And yeah, you're right. He, uh, and, and I think it's a, the way he deflects that blast, you know, he obviously uses this lightsaber to do it, but it feel like there's more to it. And we might even see that again later on in the episode, another character uh, do the same sort of a push with a rocket or um, um, some sort of a missile. Uh, so I, I felt like it's, it's set a little bit up, but definitely that heroic moment. And he's got his, his tunic is dirty. His face is dirty. He's been, it's very clear that Obi-Wan Kenobi is, is, and Cody are being tested to the limit on this on this bridge assault. They are. They very much are. And it, it sort of sets the stage again as if we weren't already getting the point hammered home to us that this is different. This is going to be special. They've they've pulled out all the stops, really. And then um, it looks like it's it's going to be problematic for Obi-Wan and the clones. Uh, again, I got to point out the irony of the fact that he saves Commander Cody when, you know, in a matter of days, Cody's going to try to kill Obi-Wan in Order 66, mm. which is crazy. Um, but then Anakin shows up, and I'm going to let you set the stage for us. Talk about his entrance and everything that goes into that and what that means. So Anakin comes onto the scene of this uh, battle that obviously Cody's beat up on, Obi-Wan's beat up over, and Anakin is completely clean. And he enters like he's, you know, General MacArthur or something, walking, <laughs> standing straight up and down, bolts flying around him. He's barely flinching. He does make a little bit of a shoulder gesture as to move out of the way of a blast, but but no concern whatsoever. Um, and, uh, and so, it, it, you know, it's such a... It's such a moment of power in my eyes for Anakin. We're starting to see this like aggressiveness in him. You know, Obi-Wan is, is hunkered down like the wise, <laughs> the wise old fool, I suppose. Um, and here comes Anakin with this cocky, aggressive move. Clearly, 
I don't know, maybe I'm making too much of it, but I, I noted uh, earlier how Obi-Wan's tunic, this this light tan as he always does, is is dirtied and whatnot, but Anakin's in this in this black pristine outfit and the way he enters. I just thought it was such a, a powerful entrance uh, for Anakin. Um, and and so he he does this tactic. He walks out into the middle of the battle. The battle droids don't know what to do. And they're like, summon the tactical droid. Something, you know, uh, Jedi Master uh, uh, Anakin is is surrendering. And, uh, and was that your battle droid impression? I like it. it. Well, it was, it was just, it was just, yeah, I guess. It was pretty good. Sadly, it was not much. But anyway, D. Bradley Baker, I am not. But, um, but so he's got this this ploy set up, and uh, and he looks over, and R two D 2s little te- uh, periscope is up, and you realize something's up. Something else that I noted um, that you knew some sort of a uh, a ploy was about to be pulled um, was did you catch the? Um, it's like a low brass blast that was the same sound as when. Luke Skywalker steps to the edge of the um, of the plank on Jabba's barge, and R two D two is about to pull the same type of a trick. Did you catch that? Did I ever? It's, it's a <laughs> bomb. I mean, I was like, well, this is so great. Like R two has his own little song that when he pulls a stunt with somebody, he gets. But it was such a it was such a great moment. And when when the tactical droid comes up and says, "You fool! You've been tricked." How cool is that? That Anakin yanks him with the Force out of there and just slices him and to you know tale of two cities on him. Yeah, it was it was a wonderful moment. I thought it was it was super powerful, and it really sets up kind of in my eyes the the direction Anakin is headed. The first seven minutes of this is a is an absolute love letter to Star Wars, uh, mm-hmm. with the music, uh, with the 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 intro we already talked about, and this Anakin thing. This Anakin thing, I love what you pointed out. I I noticed some other things, or some different things hit me with that. I mean, it was very heroic. Uh, the music was was very majestic. There's a lot of bravery, but it was also very reckless. And honestly, there's a part of me inside that felt very sad, which may not make sense, but bear with me. Yeah, this is the sign. His his lightsaber isn't up. He even has his back to the enemy while they're blasting at him. He's that overly confident. Uh, he's that sure that he's that he's untouchable. That's very Sith-like. I mean, that that's not Jedi-like at all. Uh, and and you just you're it's it was cool to see a harbinger of Anakin becoming Darth Vader and turning to the dark side without aggression. And you know, usually he like he will kill someone, or there'll be some intense moments, or he'll strangle someone with the Force, or he'll just you know whatever. But this is more just like complete. Jedi swagger that takes it to another level. And I, I, th- I loved it, but there was just a very small part of me that was like, Oh gosh, this is, this is really happening. Does, does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and I thought I was maybe, t- I thought maybe I was taking it too far with the, with the black outfit and the no, aggressiveness in which he, it, it wasn't. And I never felt like he was, he was flippant. Like, like he thought they were so worthless that he wasn't, it was just a- aggression that he just was him. standing yeah. there. Aggression. That, that is the word. That's the part of the dark side. And then when he talks to the battle droids, 
I, I thought there were shades of Count Dooku in this speech as far as like, hmm. you know, when when uh, at the end of, on Geonosis, when he says, you know, you fought well, Master Windu, worthy of, you know, the Jedi oh. Order. And, and the, yeah. way he, the way he was delivering that line, it very much reminded me of that. And then you already mentioned that that kind of that deep brass and that Return of the Jedi key, which is great. Because that is a sign of what his son will do. And also the way he faces down the entire Separatist group is very similar to Luke facing down Kylo Ren in, in the First Order and the end of The Last Jedi, too. Ooh, I like that. So that nice. was great. And then, uh, yeah, like you said, the way he handles that tactical droid. And, and above it all, I mean, the whole all the music with the, the jet troopers, which reminded me of Battlefront 2, which, of course, we talked about recently on CWK yeah. Pour Over. That's right. And... Uh, that was just all very John Williams' Return of the Jedi music. I mean, it was actual John pulled from the John Williams catalog to do that, hmm. which is just great. And then, of course, things go to a halt. Um, before we get to that big transitional piece, though, uh, you you've been mentioned very very astutely the the color schemes with their outfits and how they're sort of emphasized too. Obi Wan is is kind of gotten dirty from the Clone Wars. Yeah. You know, his his tunic reflects that, but then. Uh, the way he reacts to Anakin behaving on Jedi like also kind of shows ah this it's no wonder there were so many problems all this enabling and just sort of acquiescing it's really going to come back and bite you tremendously much i mean this has become must viewing before you watch revenge of the sith this episode oh absolutely absolutely this watching this and i watched it with my daughter and she just doesn't – I mean, she's seen all the movies, but she just doesn't have the detailed recollection of it. And she and she said to me after watching this, she goes, Dad, I, I need to see the prequels. I've got to see those again. And, oh, it just – it melted my heart. Now, when, so when that will happen, I don't know. But the fact that she recognizes that, like – there's so much important is happening here and she wants to soak in, you know, all of that. I just, it was so cool. It was so, so cool. Brilliant. No, that's brilliant. So, um, we've got, um, a note that Fulcrum, uh, has got, uh, a major mm-hmm. communique coming their way. And of course, you know, I started thinking, Whoa, Whoa. And at first they imply that it's Saw Gerrera or Anakin thinks that, yeah, uh, which is sort of interesting in and of itself. But of course, this is before the Saw Gerrera we know from Rebels. This is the one after the Onderon arc, which is no Ahsoka. And then all of a sudden, you get those those goosebump moments. And I think it's fair to say the reunion with with Bo-Katan and and Ahsoka and why they are there. I want to talk about Anakin and Ahsoka and their reaction to one another when they first meet. Uh, but I also think it's important. I think I feel like this sequence was what everyone was hoping the Martez sisters arc was going to be that kind of reunion. But we had to wait for that. But it, I mean, you know what I mean? But I think it was worth the wait. Oh, I was just about to say, tell me that that wasn't totally worth it. And it was kind of nice to have. Well, you know, what? and in that four story arc, we did get how many people mentioned how emotional that like force tie the two of them had there at that moment you know that all made this moment so worth it i needed ahsoka and i said this last week i needed ahsoka away from the jedi order for for a time i needed to see that growth um outside on her own and i think it 
and I said this last week, I think it makes sense to how she reacts and how she, I mean, she stands up to Anakin. She stands up to Obi-Wan. And I, and without that, you don't understand. That doesn't make sense. So I think this, this is such a, a great moment. It, oh, very much. Very, very much so. And then the, so let's talk while we're, while we're here about your reactions to Anakin and Ahsoka's reactions to one another. I'm just going to start by saying, I want to mention here, because it's going to happen numerous times throughout this conversation, the animation of the faces. Was the animation of the faces not just the, the greatest part of this? Yeah. I, and it's, it's just been so magnificent to see all the detail that goes into the emotion in the eyes and the mouths and you even get like the head tilts. I mean, it's so, so detailed. It's, it's beautiful. And without that, this, eh, this probably would have still been as meaningful, but it just added a, an extra layer. It's that Claritin commercial that I talked about last week that it just adds that layer of emotion to it. And Anakin. Okay. So what I saw in Anakin here was in the, in the scene before we just talked about how aggressive and how powerful and how all that is. And when he sees Ahsoka, it all just kind of melts away and he becomes speechless. And he almost, when he's in the presence of her with Obi-Wan through several scenes, it's almost like he becomes the child of the scene in my eyes. He doesn't know what to say. He stutters and he stammers and he even becomes sort of the, um, uh, the, uh, the comic relief of some of these scenes by saying something sort of, juvenile and so uh and so he's he he looks and he and he asks her like a dozen questions and she says i'm fine but there's there's not there's not time for that and two or three times she says that to him i wish we had more time but we need to move on i wish we had and so it's it's really a uh an interesting um an interesting uh, moment between the two of them. And you see a flip-flop in roles where she is not the Padawan. She, she calls him master the first couple of times, but then she just turns to, to addressing him as Anakin. And, and it is a, it's a slight, but a very clear shift in roles. And I feel like where Obi-Wan was sort of the, the old Jedi order, the, the, the old fool in the desert in that first scene, I think Obi-Wan really comes out and, and uh, James Arnold Taylor and the animation just really make Obi-Wan pop in these scenes with Anakin, Ahsoka and, and uh, Obi-Wan. It's they're They're absolutely, absolutely beautiful. I like that you, you talk about sort of Anakin, sort of his, persona shifts a little bit because he does become a little uh, juvenile as far as like the humor and things like that. Although Anakin certainly is shown that throughout, but it does seem magnified here, especially as you, as just you so eloquently just said what, what led to that, that great battle sequence. And then this sequence too, which is sort of an internal battle, but with the two of them mm-hmm. kind of trying to maintain a sense of poise and, and, and levity in in the midst of this crisis because yeah. a couple of things happen at once we find well they re they reunite and then we find out here's this big plan maul is still around we can stop him i can get mandalore back but also by the way the chancellor is in danger uh but for <laughs> that though there's, there's just so much to unpack i mean this episode yeah. of us talking about this could easily be two or three times as two, long as yeah. it normally is but I thought it was interesting that I feel like Anakin 
was more outwardly like excited. Like his eyes were almost dancing. Like, I feel like he wanted to run up and embrace her, but she's like, there's no time for that now. And even like the way, what she's dressed, the way she's standing, the way she's looks, it seems like she's aged a lot since the Martez sisters. But I think they mentioned it's been a couple of months. Does that sound right? Oh, um, I, Mason and that I do not recall. a couple of months. So I don't know. I, I need to look at that again, or if anyone else knows, feel free to let us know here, but they've got this big plan. Um, and Anakin says before they actually reunite, says if Ahsoka hadn't left the order, she wouldn't be where she needed to be. And everyone says, well, I guess that's one way to look at it. And Anakin goes, <laughs> and he gets kind of aggressive. No, that's the only way to look only at it. Only way. Thing. Yes. So what do you think that meant? I thought it was a little confusing. Although I think I've made peace with it now, but it was it was a little different. I just felt like it was Anakin's way of justifying what it all happened. Um and her her leaving. Um I, I don't know. I haven't thought that much about it, but I the way the way he says it to him though, it took me back to the conversations with Padme during the attack of the clones about politics and government. And will you just make them, you just make them, you know, do what they're supposed to do. And she comments on how that's dictatorship and well, then that's the way it needs to be. And, and so that's, that's what I I took from that, but I, I don't know exactly what it means in terms of like how he feels things turned out for her. I, you know, and part of that too is, you know, this is again, sowing this, the seeds of discord and know about the Jedi philosophy and way and okay, maybe this had to happen so that Ahsoka could be here and now she's here and we're going to help Mandalore and all these other good things are happening. He's trying to find silver lining, uh, like you said, um, and he's trying to find a way to control things that he couldn't control before, which of course we know later on that's not going to go very well for him. But then yeah. they have they have this um the reunion is great. Uh the, the city of Sindari on Mandalore is under siege. Or they want it to be under siege because that's where they think Maul is. And we've got to go stop him. So what I want to do now is I want to take a break. And when we come back, we're gonna talk about the conversation, the very poignant conversation that Ahsoka, Obi-Wan, and Anakin have of kind of about where the Jedi fit in all of this. This is Coffee with Kenobi. This is Vanessa Marshall, and you're listening to Coffee with Kenobi. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online, so any small business can drive change or build an empire. Because old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. This new year, we need a new generation of thinking, your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's still ours to win. Start different at GoDaddy.com. As everyone knows, MEI and Mouse Fan Travel is the official travel partner of Coffee with Kenobi. They are wonderful and have always been so great and kind and supportive to me and my family, both for our travel and for travel for the show. Naturally, recently, travel is very, very different. In fact, it's not going on right now at all with everything going on in the world. And the good news is that with MEI and Mouse Fan Travel, 
They are going to help you have peace of mind. MEI and Mouse Fan Travel want you to know that you are valued clients, but you're a part of the MEI family. They are putting their decades of experience to work to guide you through this uncertain time. They are going to be your advocates and are going to keep you informed and prepared to travel with confidence when you are ready, when you are comfortable. And they are suggesting that you postpone but don't cancel. They're still open for business. They will help you dream of your next trip. It doesn't have to be in 2020. It can be 2021 and beyond. This is why I love and trust MEI and Mouse Fan Travel because they will take care of it and me. And they will you too. They're going to be looking up things and helping me and all of you to have peace of mind so that when you're ready, when things have settled down, MEI and Mouse Fan Travel will be the place for you to go. If you have any questions, be sure to reach out to MEI and Mouse Fan Travel, of course, or go to www.coffeewithkenobi.com slash mousefantravel. We are back and talking about part one of the Siege of Mandalore, Old Friends Not Forgotten. I had teased before the break about the conversation that Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka have. It very much shows their philosophies of what the Jedi are and what the Jedi should be and what the Jedi are actually doing. And I thought a very, very powerful thing that I actually rewound this sequence three or four times just to get all the nuance of it. But what kind of jumped out for you? Is this, I just want to make sure I'm talking about the same uh, instance. Is this when they're standing in the hangar after the introduction of the Tano company? Or is this in... It is. When it's right, when when it's right before it's right before Obi Wan, before they part. When they they're trying to debate about you know why should we help, and Ahsoka says things like, "No, this isn't about the war. This is about the Chancellor. This is about Chancellor. politics." Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I thought it was a it was a powerful conversation because everything that we've built up. I'm sorry, everything that the the last four, the, the Martez sister story arc built in this this, dis, this discontent with the Jedi Order um, and learning about that the Jedi, you know, from the Martez sisters that the Jedi Order doesn't care about the, the common people. I mean, that really comes out in this conversation. And yeah. she's she has clearly built a belief out of that. And what I found to be really interesting about it is, and I don't know that I have the quotes here, but uh, she's, she's built the belief within herself that the Jedi can still, the Jedi can still have an impact on the everyday people. And this, and when Bo-Katan shows up with this request, she sees this as a way that, okay, looking at the big picture, this is helping a planet of people. And then when she's faced with, we've got this emergency, and Obi-Wan says, the people on Coruscant need us, and she says, no, the Chancellor needs you. And this, oh, oh the next two lines just crushed me in some way. And maybe we'll, we'll work that out here. He says, that's not fair. And she says, I'm not trying to be. Whoa. And then they, they cut to Anakin, and Anakin's got this look at, like, he raises an eyebrow and goes back to Obi-Wan like he's watching a tennis match where yeah. the champion has just lost a point, you know? And I'm like, holy smokes. I mean, for, for, for Ahsoka to stand up to Anakin at this point, I kind of get it. But for her to stand up to Obi-Wan and put him in his place, what do you, I mean, wow. Yeah. What, what do you do with that? I mean, that's, 
it, it almost makes it seem like she's had this pent up for a while towards Obi-Wan, but I think Obi-Wan at that moment becomes the face of the Jedi order and the Jedi philosophy, not only her leaving the order and how she was treated, but what she knows because of the Martez sisters and whatever else she has learned and experienced in her travels since she actually left the order to begin with. And it's, it's pretty stunning. And I like the idea, like you said, of Anakin watching this like it's a tennis match. Because there's definitely some of that there as well. Because they're, they're both very much saying their philosophies. No, this is about politics. We stopped uh, doing the Jedi thing when we got dragged into this war. And obviously, Ahsoka is not a hypocrite. She's very aware of how much uh, she's been a part of the war. And you know how many battle droids she's taken care of or how many planet she's helped to liberate or, or was a part of when unfortunately they lost, they were lost to the separatist movement. So it's very, very complicated. It's very convoluted and it's exactly what Palpatine wants to happen. And I thought it he was, he wants to sell that wedge. Yes, absolutely. And I thought it was interesting how Anakin's not really a part of this conversation. The, the, the difference between the politics of war and the good that you can do through war. Okay. That, that didn't quite come off the way I wanted it to, but you know what I'm saying is, you know, Ahsoka's looking for the greater good versus the, 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 you know, the, the political power of a war and Anakin steps out of this and he's, he doesn't take a part in this ideological argument that she and Obi-Wan are having. And I think it, it goes back to, I don't know. I mean, I, I go back to that moment when they, when they saw each other again and he, he was a little, overwhelmed by, by a, her and her go ahead but but he but he's the one that comes up with the solution yeah a great solution uh you know let's make rex commander so boom we have that iconic moment in star wars lore and because ahsoka is not officially part of it she can just be an observer uh what is it what do they call her not an observer is that what he says um uh, may I think it may I don't know Our advisor, I remember, but it, something a lot advisor. That's it, advisor. Yeah. Before that, though, I, I skipped a, uh, a couple of key things, but there's just again so much to unpack here. Yeah, the reason they're originally reluctant is because there's a hundred year treaty that would be broken, mm-hmm. and Bo Katan plays the Satine card. I thought she meant something to you, oh, and everyone says great. she did. She still does, but I can't let my feelings cloud my judgment. That, in a nutshell, is the problem with the Jedi philosophy. You can't be compassionate but not have compassion. And yeah. Obi-Wan fights that because there's this, there's, this, there's this unusual fear that if you have emotions and compassion towards someone, it's going to put you off the deep end, which again becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that is Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader. Fascinating stuff. I mean, again, philosophically, there is just so much to like about this episode. But yeah. the the thing that we skipped and we can't skip it. Oh, it's we saw okay. this at Celebration Chicago. But it's when the the um Anakin and Ahsoka get to have a little bit of a moment. Uh and they start walking. He says, I've got to show you something. As they're walking, Ahsoka oh. is being saluted. And she says, They shouldn't salute me anymore. I'm not a part of this. He says, No, loyalty means everything to the clones. Again, if that doesn't punch you right in the chest, uh, because again, dramatic irony. Imagine, I never thought about the clones. I mean, sure, we have the beginning of season six, 
uh, when Fives discovers that there's a chip uh, that malfunctions um, in the clones and cre- creates them to turn against the Jedi. It just makes the loyalty thing even harder because you see the tragedy of the Jedi being almost exterminated from the clones' point of view. Imagine how it must kill them to lose control, right? To be able to not be in control of themselves. That all being said, they walk into the room, into this big hangar, and all the clones have painted their helmets to reflect Ahsoka's uh, markings. And man, it was just so beautiful, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. Even though you knew it was coming because, you know, my Clone Wars shirt has that on it and all that. Yeah. It was it was super emotional. And I think it, the setup for, for it with her being saluted. And then she has, he has that, she has that conversation with Anakin and, and, and then the doors open and there they all are, you know, Rex and the boys, you know, put through this together and, and Rex even sort of, you know, bashedly says, well, the paint job's not perfect, but I think it gets the point across. And she just, she, she's so moved by it and stunned. Uh, in a way. And I don't know where I got this because it's not in the episode. I don't think unless I, I missed it my couple times watching it. For some reason, I thought there was there was the official name Tunnel Company. Did did I miss that or did I make that up? Or No, no, that, that sounds comes- familiar. I, no, I think that's in Clone Wars Download. Oh, okay. So yeah. so here's here's the Tunnel Company, which worked out magnificently because it leads to Anakin splitting the 501st because here he's got part of the company already that's that's loyal to her along with uh captain soon to be commander rex and uh and so so it was it was such such a moving uh, uh moment for for many reasons because anakin's holding this box because rex and the guy and the boys uh you know put together these masks they're they're saluting her so many levels of respect that she thought that she I don't know if she lost or she gave away or gave up or whatever. And so you just, you know, you know, this great moment is coming and then, and then the alarms go off and I don't know, did you, I I felt such, I felt such a haunting, I don't know. It just went deep into me about those alarms about what could that possibly mean? Now I, I didn't, I didn't think for a second, like Anakin did that it was, it was a movement toward Mandalore. I knew it was something larger and I had no, I had no idea how large it actually was. Yeah. But, but in right. I mean, Oh God, I mean, that, that, that Filoni's messing with our emotions, man. I tell you, this was such, such a brilliant an impactful moment because yes. you have the tunnel company, then you have the alarms, then you have that conversation, that ideological conversation with, with Obi-Wan and he turns and he says what he says at the very end, uh, I wrote it down. I killed Maul once, which to me implies that he's going to do it again. But he says, I killed yeah. Maul once just to capture. Uh, and then just I couldn't fight him. He doesn't stay Is that what he says? Him. Okay, just yeah. to capture him. He doesn't stay dead. Oh, yeah. man. I know. And then, I know. And then the box. And then the box. Yeah. And then, and then you realize, my goodness. Uh, they're gonna. They're about to go do Revenge of the Sith. And I looked at Mason. I said, "Oh my gosh, they're doing Revenge of the Sith!" Like I have goosebumps saying this to you right now because I was just so my head was exploding when this was happening. Just the power, the weight of this. And yes, the box. It first looked like she wasn't going to get them. Then she did. For some reason, I didn't quite grasp that these were her original lightsabers that she had been using before she left the Order. 
So two questions here. And I don't know that there's an answer. Oh, there might be one of them. One, Ahsoka's lightsaber blades are now a different color than they just mm-hmm. were. Uh, and, you know, um, and on Clone Wars Download, it's, it's, a, it's a Keith Kellogg, right? He, he says, you know what? Uh, Anakin always has to mess with things and put his own spin on them. So that certainly implies that he changed the kyber crystals to blue. But wait a second. Is that, I feel like that's not very cool. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> your kyber crystals are picked and they become a color based on you going through the trials and going to the cave in Ilum or wherever you go later if the cave of Ilum is not there because the empires destroyed it. Um, so he changes those. I mean, I don't know. We don't have definitive proof of that. So that's a challenge. And another challenge for me, while Rex is very clearly holding the Tano Company helmet with that fresh uh, paint style, once they're on Mandalore, Rex has his old helmet back. I noticed What's that. What's that about? Yeah, I don't know. Lightsabers, here's, here, here was my take on it. Well, first of all, I, I know we don't do what-ifs, but a what-if came to me at, at, during this moment. And the what-if was this. What if, and I don't expect for us to have a conversation now, but but it's just it's just a you know I'm going to go with the Marvel uh, theme here. What if Ahsoka had gone with them? Oh, wouldn't that be cool? But that's when he he does the deed, and when Emperor says do it, what if she's there? So oh. there, I just I just want to toss that out. Okay, yeah. the second might have so saved that, his uh, life actually. So I, I know. I know that's what okay. <laughs> it could. I mean, it would have changed the whole story. That's a powerful anyway, statement, dude. Wow. Anyway, so the the lightsabers here's here's where my mind went with that. He's his master. He's her man. He was her master, and so I, I suppose it's I don't know. She she left the Jedi Order. He was the master. He so he took her lightsabers, and if he modified them for a chance to see her again. I guess it didn't bother me. It, did, it didn't even cross my mind other than I love the moment when he said, uh, just like new. And, uh, and then he says, oh, maybe a little better. And, and, and he just, the look on his face, this was another place where the, where the, um, the, the facial expressions were so clear and so meaningful. And for a second there, they did a close up on a, on Ahsoka's face. I swear I saw Ashley in there. I, I'm just, I, I don't mean to stir something up, but I swear I saw Ashley in her face at that moment. It just was so, so, such a powerful moment. And I, I didn't even question that he tinkered with them and he changed them. It just felt like it seemed, it seemed right. Um, yeah. And then, and then I guess the only reason I thought of, and it wasn't until the second time I watched it that I noticed that Rex wasn't wearing that mask. I figured it was two things came to mind. One was more logistical film is that way we could recognize him on the field and, and be able to tell the difference between him and the rest of the company. Second, I thought maybe that was it. Maybe on the battlefield, he took, he changed his mask full the recognition on the battlefield when things get crazy. I don't know. I, that works. I, did, I mean, I, it was definitely something I noticed though. I didn't catch it at all. And then Mason said, Rex doesn't have the same helmet. I said, sure he does. And he said, no daddy, only in the hangar, but not later. And I'm like, wow. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know, that's good parenting, right? Right. There. Yeah. Well done. Well done. No, sir. I can't keep, I can't take credit for that. That was just all him. He's very, 
he notices things and asks the most interesting questions that I'd never really thought about, which uh, I love. Eyes so, of child. That's right. Exactly. Um, and then I think the reason he switches helmets again is because now that he's commander, maybe that carries a certain station with it. And maybe that's more of the mm-hmm. style of helmet. I mean, certainly kind of more what commander Cody's helmet is like. And also the fact that, like you said, maybe it's, it's to stand out so that they know where he is when they need him because they obviously are going to. And as far as the lightsabers changing colors, that's not something I noticed the first time as well. I just thought they were new. And I think I thought it was new because they were different colors, but I, I, I'm looking forward to confirmation on that, and, and we may not get that. I don't know. It'll can be fun to see what it's going to be. Yeah. Can I ask one more question about the lightsabers? I had never sure. noticed this before, and was this is this something new? That her, I think it's her left lightsaber is shorter than her right. Is has it has it always been that way, or is that an improvement that Anakin made? No, I believe it's always been that way, and has that's. And the reason I say, well, that's a good question. I, I'm thinking of how they are in Rebels. And the ones at Galaxy's Edge that they sell, the Ahsokas, they sell the double ones. And they're white, though. So we still don't know why how our lightsabers end up getting white. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like they were always different sizes. And that would be, make sense from a from a, the Katana blade perspective anyway, because that's kind of what they are similar to. So I don't know. I'll have to do some Googling on that to find out that's that's an excellent question. My my initial hunch is that all I did was change the color, but we'll see. We shall see. So they they separate. You get that sucker punch of, oh, my gosh, this is literally the last time they're going to see each other before he looks at her through the eyes of Darth Vader, which is pretty chilling. Um, and, and so then for that moment. Yeah. Yeah, I know for that moment before they cut I know and I kept thinking man I didn't even get to hug I just that's just the again I'm a hugger what can I say (laughs) Um, so then they they go to Mandalore um, and there's this great conversation between Obi-Wan and Ahsoka before they split up about luck no Anakin and Ahsoka about luck and he says good luck and he smiles and she she can tell she's happy and she looks at him like you said with like these is her eyes are just twinkling because she's happy because she has so much respect for him. They are very much our brother and sister, very much so. Mm-hmm. So when they leave, uh, I, I just want to get down to it right now. I, I don't feel like hyperbole exists and can exist in what I'm about to say. But when Ahsoka okay. leaps out of that Republic command ship, the gunship, and makes her way down to the surface and and runs roughshod through these Mandalorians who are fierce warriors and dances and glides and uses her lightsabers. And they got that sweeping music that may be one of the best action sequences of star Wars, everything period. I, I Tom fell to the floor. Yeah. No, all I, I wrote, <laughs> all I wrote was, Ahsoka's use of the force. So, I mean, she starts it off by saying to Rex, I'll race you to the surface. Oh. And this, and I, I, I also wrote this down. Ahsoka is free and clear and awesome. I mean, I completely agree with you. That was amazing. 
anima, uh, animation through that mm-hmm. whole sequence. And I felt like this was, and I've truly meant that it was like, it was like her moment to, to, you know, there's that statement, fly and be free. I felt like that was, that was here. That was this opportunity for her to leap from, from, uh, uh, troop trans. What are those called? Um, they're one of my Probably favorite gunship. ships in Star Wars. <laughs> the gunship. She jumps gunship to gunship to gunship and just she's free and she has her lightsabers. And she and I mean it's she it's like she's back and she's, she's better, home, baby, as Lando might yeah. say. Yes. Yeah. It's, or, it's or George Costanza. Yeah. <laughs> I'm back, baby. Yeah. And honestly, and I, then, and I've always loved yeah, Ahsoka. I mean, she's always been a top ten character to me. But after that sequence in this episode, she's a top five character for me. Oh, it's, it's it's unbelievable. It's so fantastic. And it ends with the poster moment. And when I say poster moment, I mean the celebration poster last April where the explosion of that, she's on the gunship that's, that's crashing and she leaps off it onto the platform and it explodes behind her and she's in the crouch and her lightsabers are lit and the fire just explodes behind her. It's, Oh my gosh! I'm a, I will never forget that moment sitting in you know, in one of those large rooms in Chicago mm-hmm. when that explosion happens, and I just I can hear in my in my brain the crowd and the emotion from all of us, and it just came right back to that to that moment in the living room last Friday morning, and oh, so amazing! So, and when she's okay, so tell me this also, animation wise. When she's swinging, when those Mandalorians are, fi- I mean, there's what, six, eight, 12 Mandalorians firing at her and she's just deflecting those and they show the lightsaber. Does it, does the light of the lightsaber have the drag like, like the, the dark saber kind of does? And I'm not saying they're trying to make it look like the dark saber, but did it have an extra drag to it that made it even more brilliant? You know, I I didn't notice that, but I I mean the fluid the fluidity of that would be would be beautiful and cinematic. But uh, from an in world perspective, I didn't notice anything like that. But I I would have okay. to look at that again. That's a good question. So, um, Bo-Katan uh, crashes in <laughs> to to the to the I don't know that he's called, the Chancellor. What's his name? Why am I forgetting? I don't even remember. Uh, the only thing I can I can say about him is is I thought his helmet looked a lot like Boba Fett's. But anyway, I, yes, I, I I'm, I'm continually fascinated by the fact that Mandalorians punch each other in the head when they're wearing their helmets. Uh, right? I, that happened I in think the Mandalorian the also. Yeah, I, I mean, it mu- I mean, maybe, maybe the it pushes against their fate. I don't know. But then she did get several stomach blows in on him, which yeah. I, I appreciated. So that was to, I don't know. But yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing. It's like when football players or hockey players get in a scrum on the ice and they're punching each other in the helmets. I'm like, what good is that doing other than bloodying your own knuckles? But I know <laughs> I, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting him to be the fighter that he was, but I thought that was cool. Yeah. But- the way she, I He's mean, if not for the, the, if the Ahsoka action sequence didn't take place before this, this might've been the showcase moment I or like one, of, not, not as much as the beginning, of course, but, but pretty darn close. Mm-hmm. Then we find out it's a trap. Then we get this great kind of, um, almost horror esque, whether she's going down through the sewers with the clones, they're starting to get picked off. You see the Mandalorians with their, their new fresh paint to be, reflective of mall and the red and black that is mall. And then, um, yeah, go ahead. 
I was gonna say I had an observation. I, I don't think it means anything, but I just thought it was kind of cool that here Ahsoka is tracking down Maul, and Ahsoka has troops with her face on the helmets. Yeah, and Maul has his troops with his face and horns on That's their fun. helmets. It's How like cool chess. was that? Yeah, it was great. It was great in that we saw the a lot of that armor design in the Son of Dathomir Dark Horse mm-hmm. uh, Maul comic series too, which I need to revisit again, especially after watching this. I've never and at the it. end, of course, Maul shows up, and I was hoping for Kenobi. Why are you here? And then it fades to black. We get some, you know, we get the 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 name George Lucas shows up. Story by George Lucas, characters by George Lucas. Um. And there's no music at all through the end of it. I mean, there's no Kevin Kiner score really at the beginning or the end of this. All throughout there is, but there wasn't for this. And I thought, again, they ended the way they started with a very powerful statement of music or in this instance, no music at all. Absence. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it it reminded me of, and I'm not trying to make a correlation. It just, it was just a reminder of the absence of sound and how powerful that was in the last Jedi. Yeah. And it was here too. I mean, it ends with, with the, the hissing uh, background of, of Maul and his statement. And then Ahsoka and her resolve with the Jedi, with the, her new lightsabers and then silence. And it just, it, it left a pit in my stomach. And, and I thought it was, it was, it was fantastic. It was an A plus episode. When I when I rewatch these for the show, sometimes I've, I'm in more of a hurry than other times, and sometimes it just feels like you know this is a chance for me to write down some notes, and I just kind of take it in sort of academically. But for this episode, Tom, I couldn't wait to watch it again. And yes, I took detailed notes, pages of notes, but it was more like I couldn't wait to see it again. And I can't say that I've necessarily felt that way for any episode in this season yet. And and I love this season; it's been great fun. I'm I've just been Great, but this is really what I've been waiting for. And I think it's fair to say that that Star Wars and Clone Wars fans everywhere have been waiting for this. And this is only part one. Oh, and I just, I want to soak it in over and over and over again. I I, I have the same feeling as you. This is the first, now the other episodes, I wanted to watch to pick up the, the depth of it to catch the the small little pieces that that help to create the characters and build them the bonds and all of that this is the first episode i wanted to watch because of the excitement and the action and and then you know of course though as we've t- talked about there's so much depth in the conversations um but this yeah this is the first one where i've been like let's watch it again <laughs> i said to kaylee let's watch that again and uh and and it was just because it was so much fun uh, to watch. One character that we didn't say much about that I just want to uh, point out. Well, there's two things, if if you don't mind. Um, oh, when there are two times that uh, that um, uh, Bo-Katan is is mentioned that you're not like your sister. <laughs> She's it's yeah. said twice. Um, and the, the, my favorite one though, is when the, the Mandalorian chancellor or whatever we decided his name's going to be, um, says you're nothing like your sister. She answers with a blaster bolt right by his head. I love, oh gosh, that was so cool. 
<laughs> I, I loved that response. And then, and then I thought Gar Saxon, yep. what a tough old dog he was in this one. I, I remember him being grizzly, you know, a grizzly warrior in, in Rebel. the um, Death Watch episodes. And then he mm-hmm. comes back in uh, Rebels. But I don't remember him quite so. Uh, I, I just I wrote down he's a tough old dog. He's yeah. gray and he's and he's just jaw, and he's been changed. I feel like uh, by Maul. He's not very nice. No, and so I, I wanted to make make sure from those two characters because I thought they they added a lot, even though they weren't on screen very much. They added a lot of like threat to the uh, episode. But yeah, and he's the one who has his armor is adorned so distinctly. And that's mm-hmm. who Sabine will fight uh, years and years later in Star Wars Rebels uh, for the Black Saber yeah. or the Dark Saber. Listening to Coffee with Kenobi, you are with Dan Z, the podcast you're looking for. This is. <laughs> that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you all for taking time out of your busy schedule to have a cup of coffee with me and for helping to spread the word about our Star Wars family we've got here at Coffee with Kenobi. Be sure to tune in Monday nights at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live at www.coffeewithkenobi.com slash live or www.facebook.com slash coffeewithkenobi and have a cup of coffee, tea, or any beverage of your choosing as we continue the conversation. To join us in the CWK Cafe, which is our Facebook group, and share your Star Wars thoughts, comments, reviews, and opinions in a family-friendly, spoiler-free place that is also drama-free, go to www.coffeewithkenobi.com community and be a part of the conversation, talk about this week's show, or just talk some Star Wars. It's a lot of fun, and you'll make some new friends, as well as catch up with longtime friends as well. I also want to thank our new and longtime friends who join us in the CWK Cantina and let you know how much I appreciate your help and encouragement and love being able to give back to you with CWK Pour Over, the exclusive weekly podcast not heard anywhere else. I want to thank Dennis Keithley, Jason Hall, Angela Sauce, Chris Gavarka, Aaron Harris, Alexander Moylan, Ross Halliban, Jeff Ellis, David Nicely, Jessica Berry, Colby Mead, Frank Mulder, LJ Souter, Mark Souter, Nick Deco, Eric Struthers, Jared Cantor, Brian McKinney, Daz Davies, Thea Selby, Chris Metz, Caroline Maselli, Jim Capron, Blake Weaver, Dan Ream, Kurt McKellen, Christine Turk, Simbot Deftadarian, Ian Thompson, Alex Procasio, Hannah, Tyler Pompa, Connie Shee, Susan Gray, Chelsea Sandsbury, Joss Boylan, and Yancey Evans. If you want an additional way to help out the show, go to www.coffeewithkenobi.com support and join us in the Coffee with Kenobi Cantina. It's a great way to support and help out the show, and 10% of your monthly contributions go directly to the St. Jude Children's Hospital to support the incredibly important work they are doing to help these brave children and their families. Plus, contributors at the CWK All-Star level can watch a video podcast of CWK Pour and contributors at the CWK MVP level can participate in an exclusive live stream hosted by me, Tom Gross, and Corey Club twice a month. Feel free to reach out if you have any questions. In addition to being part of the community on Facebook, please don't forget to visit our website at www.coffeewithkenobi.com for Star Wars news, announcements, reviews, videos, and so much more. If you have a question for me 
or just want to share your thoughts on the air, feel free to email me at danzy at coffeewithkenobi.com and I'll share them on the show. You can also connect with me on Twitter at Mr. Zare, M-R-Z-E-H-R. There are also a lot more ways to connect with me and Coffee with Kenobi on social media. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash coffee with Kenobi and check us out on Pinterest. You can find me twice a month on the podcast Looking at Lucasfilm, part of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. And you can find my writings on CWK's website as well as starwars.com where I'm an official blogger there as well as on IGN where I contribute articles on Star Wars as well as other pop culture topics. And if you're considering starting a podcast or a blog, let me know how I can help you get started and help you make your creative vision a reality. Be sure to check out danzymedia.com and we can get the process started. I am also available to come to your school, conference, business, or organization to talk about how to tap into your strengths and help you bring out your very best. I want to inspire you to be inspired. This is your chance to take that first step into a larger world. Thanks, as always, to our CWK sponsors, especially MEI and Mouse Fan Travel, our travel partner and your one-stop shop for all things Walt Disney World, Disneyland, the Disney Cruise Lines, or anywhere on the planet. Please go to www.coffeewithkenobi.com slash mousefantravel to book your magical vacation and help support Coffee with Kenobi in the process. If you like the show, please tweet out that you're listening, share it on Facebook, or invite your friends and family to tune in and share a cup of coffee with us. And if the force is especially with you, please take a couple of minutes to rate and review the show on iTunes or Google Podcasts. Every review makes a huge difference and helps to spread the word. Go to iTunes and search Coffee with Kenobi and you'll see the show there. My circle of friends has grown so much because of each and every one of you. And it means so much to me that we have a wonderful Star Wars community to share it with. It's fantastic. I mean, you really you really can't get much better than this episode. But we have faith that we're going to get plenty of chances to do that at least for the next three. So brilliant, brilliant stuff. I mean, <laughs> I could not wait to talk to you about yeah. this. And I can't say... How early, but I do get to see these uh, quite a bit earlier, and I and I didn't ruin anything. I didn't say anything. I just said, "You've got to see this." No. I can't wait till you see yeah. this. <laughs> I had sensed that you'd probably uh, seen it, and I didn't want to say anything to you about it because I just I knew how excited I was for it, and I knew if you said something to me, I would just come unglued. <laughs> so. so I may have to hide from you for a couple of days. Yeah. Because um, yeah, probably part two is coming. Part two is coming. Probably. So very, very good. Well, Pro Tom. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yes, I don't want to spoil it for you or anyone else, and I, I'm just enjoying this ride so much. Very, very kind of melancholy. There's only three left, but they are going out the way we've always uh, dreamed, and I can't wait to see what happens. So, in the meantime, if people want to continue the conversation with you, Mr. Gross, where can they reach out? Absolutely. On Twitter, at DraftLine, D-R-A-F-T-L-I-N-E. Or if you want to send me more uh, text, send me a uh, an email, tomg at coffeewithkenobi.com. This podcast is not endorsed by the Walt Disney Company or Lucasfilm Limited. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. Star Wars, all names, sounds, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Disney and their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of Coffee with Kenobi unless otherwise indicated. This is the podcast you're looking for. There's no one here. 
Move along. Move along. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can drive change or build an empire. We need a new generation of thinking, your way of thinking. Start different at GoDaddy.com.